Pai, and thanks for joining us for another episode of Enlightened Conversations. Each week, we invite guests to share their views on the world, work, and their personal lives in an enlightened way. Our hosts have been chosen especially to role model just how we do an enlightened conversation. This episode is produced by Michelle Lightworker and sponsored by the Lightworker Foundation. here from Enlightened Conversations and I'm honoured and privileged today to be chatting with Linda Pedderwood. Um, how, how are you going today, Linda? I'm awesome. Thanks, Jeremy, and thank you for this opportunity to share my passion. Ah, awesome. Um, so I thought we might just um, start off by getting to know a bit about yourself. Um, I've obviously known you for about six or seven years. We met at a, a program down in Sydney there. I think we might have even met in, in the sauna. We both like that early morning sauna before the, the conference started there. Yeah. Um, so I guess, yeah, what, some, what sort of things have you been up to lately? Wow, that's, that's such a big question. Um, okay, <laughs> I'm, I'm continually thinking about how many ways I can help empower people. Uh, so and, and empowerment, because I love words, is helping people have a power and authority over their own life. So I'm just actually working on a, a way to maintain and uh, maintain and achieve and maintain an ideal body weight. And so it's not a weight loss program as such, it's, uh, it's a lifestyle change. And it's working on the mindsets that have created the weight issue in the first place. So there's no dietary advice as such. There's no exercise advice other than, you know, have a look at your, you know, your eating habits, have a look at your exercise patterns. Uh, and so that's really, really exciting. It's called... Um, I better not say the word, the name for it yet, but um, that's really, really exciting. I'm working on that and I'm working on uh, getting more online because I believe by going online and I've got my baby here, my uh, PC, uh, by going online, I can leverage my time and help more people. I love my one-on-one clients, but I, I think there's so many people out there who are stressed, anxious, depressed, unhappy, not living the kind of empowered life they, they have dreamt of and they don't know how to have it. So uh, that's one of the things I'm working on too, getting, um, I didn't think I'd be you know, saying I'm going to really value time with the computer, uh, but that's where I'm at now. So I can leverage my time and travel the world doing what I love. My two biggest passions are helping people be empowered and traveling. So that way I can combine the two. So that's kind of in a nutshell. And then there's more specifics on what I've been up to. I love that. Yeah, the, the draw to go online is because that's where, that's where the people are hanging out. Yeah, they are. We're, go we're, the doing, we're doing the old school thing, standing outside the bus station, handing out flyers. It's probably not going to work <laughs> as well as it is. Well, I have also been uh, run, giving presentations and running workshops uh, for self-esteem and confidence and uh, how to regain your inner peace and and seeing clients. So that's just a given. But the extracurricular activities, um, that's the other stuff I've been up to. Mm. Well, you've opened up uh, so many questions that I'd love, love to ask now. Um, I guess starting with the, the weight loss or the um, maintain an ideal weight um, mm-hmm. program there, um, how are you just going to work with, with the mindset with people? And, and maybe that's yeah. the thing that's been missing. If they've been like trying to restrict food for such a long time, I imagine that must end up causing problems when they're, when they're trying to, to be that ideal weight. Oh, absolutely. So they're on a, a rat wheel to nowhere fast. The diet industry knows it. Diet is actually a dirty word. I have written a blog called Don't Diet or Lose Weight because of how the unconscious, like we're both hypnotherapists, <clears throat> how the unconscious mind works. If we say we're going to lose something, the unconscious mind says, well, find it. Find it. Where is it? Find it. So why would you want to lose the weight anyway? Because if you lose something, you're going to find it. And diet it starts with D-I-E. That should tell you something. Like for most people, just the, the word, thinking of going on a diet also implies they're going to go off the diet or they start a diet, that means they're going to finish it. So forget dieting. Don't do it. It sets you up for remorse, guilt, failure and more of the same. Don't do it. Swear off diets forever. Mm, you're right. And we both definitely do love our words. And two other words you used a moment ago, empowerment and authority over your life. Like, Mm-hmm. Just the just the sound of that almost sounds like there's going to be more more power coming there. Yeah. Um, so I guess what are the, some of the things that would you know, would be the mark of someone who who's living a more empowered life and has authority in, in their life? Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Well, firstly, they've consciously chosen what they want. They, they're aware of what they don't want. And instead of staying, getting more of what they don't want and redoing the patterns of the past and everything we're experiencing is just a bringing forward of the past into the present. So they're aware of what they don't want to experience anymore and they're experiencing more of what they want. So an empowered person is living life on their terms. Now, this doesn't mean that they're hurting anybody else. And on their terms, that means not following ego, what ego is telling them to do. It's their highest self will tell them what to do. And bringing it back to this... uh, achieve and maintain your ideal weight, a person's innate wisdom will tell them what foods are good for them, how much activity to take. Like we look at animals and they know what to do. You know, they eat when they're hungry. Even though, I mean, our dog's got food out there all the time. He doesn't just eat it all because it's there. He wouldn't think of going to an all-you-can-eat buffet and gorging himself. He eats until he's full. And, and we as humans, we know how to do that, but people have lost the ability to be tapped into their own intuition, their higher self. And so an empowered person is tapped into their higher self, what that wants for them. And they're, they're coming from that space, from their heart, they're not their head, from their heart. And that's, that's helping them live a life of purpose and passion. Now, if we go from what people are eating or not eating and how much they're moving, exercising, whatever you want to call it, just moving their body. Then we go into what work they're doing. If they're empowered, they're doing work and they probably don't even think of it as work. Like for you and I, we're so passionate about what we do. I don't think of it as work. I love this. So they're doing what they love, what they're passionate about. They've got out of the way of the ego and other people telling them what to do and they've stepped into what's true for them. And in the book of success, I was asked, to write the chapter on discover your purpose and passion and that helps people who are like i don't know what is my purpose and passion and there's seven questions in there and it will be on my website soon as a free download the chapter that i wrote to help people live that empowered life doing the work that they're here to do which doesn't even seem like work because they love it um so that's some of the signs are their relationships they're they're based on a respect firstly and a love for themselves and knowing that nobody else can make them happy or is responsible for their happiness. They're responsible for their own happiness. And this goes back to our NLP presuppositions. I am responsible for everything in my life. So an empowered person takes responsibility for everything in their life. All the dramas, all the things they called unfortunate, painful or whatever, they've claimed responsibility for all of them. And they're so clear on what they're here to experience. And for me, uh, without sounding too woo-woo, but my life is like heaven on earth because I've, I've really focused in on what I like to experience and that's peace, love and laughter. Um, okay, there's three more. <laughs> I might as well tell you those because I, I knew um, when I got the three pretty well down pat that I could add some more and that was joy abundance and freedom and so my life is from that that way of being in the world and that's really empowering and so when people are empowered they've chosen how they're going to experience life now some people unconsciously choose drama and sadness and grief and unhappiness well they're not empowered unless they enjoy that and well so it sounds like they really have to take responsibility especially if they think it's something that's out of their control Mm -hmm, i remember one of the more outrageous times i was responsible um someone had run up the back of my car you know i was just doing my normal thing didn't do anything outrageous but they ran up the back of me i started asking how could i have avoided that and there was a couple of things i could have done i've got ways i drive where i can um, not control but allow the person behind me to have more time i didn't happen to do it that time around and got hit up the back at about you know, 35, 40 k's an hour with the stop and start traffic. So I knew there was a way that I could, I could, t- could, have, I could have done something different there. Yeah. I guess taking responsibility to the extreme, mm-hmm. anything we, I guess, take more responsibility for, we have more power for. But if I That's think something excellent. is because of an outside source, then how can I have control over that? <laughs> or how can I have any power there? Absolutely. And so many people are blaming external forces, just like you said, and therefore, they've got, um, they're in victim mentality, basically. They're blaming outside forces and therefore they can't change 
what's going on they're experiencing life because they're blaming other things so as much as people mightn't like it and and i'll suggest to the viewers whoever and wherever they are viewing this that they have an open mind dr wayne dyer is one of my favorite mentors and he says in his many books and his presentations to have an open mind um, and be open to everything and attached to nothing so for the viewers if there's something we say like so you mean when I was raped or this happened to me or whatever, it was I'm responsible for it? Now, basically what it means is you're responsible for how you're feeling about it. Like we don't let uh, the rapist or whoever we perceive did something to us, and certainly they did. You know, if you're raped, and I'm sorry about that, and I've worked with many, many, many um, people, male and female, who have been raped, and if they can step out of, and when they step out of victim mentality, then they can change their, their emotions that are tied in with the event. The event happened, it would have been best if it didn't. But when they claim that I can do something about how I feel, so that that, that rapist or that molester or that whoever doesn't get any more of my energy or my time with me feeling less than empowered. And so for what what an open mind and attached to nothing means is just trying something on and seeing if, if you can get it to work for you. And what I say is like a new pair of shoes may feel uncomfortable at first and you keep wearing them and then eventually they're so comfy you can't imagine, oh, I don't want to throw these away because they're so comfy. And it's the same with beliefs. We try them on for a while and, and then all of a sudden, wow, my life's working better because I've taken total responsibility for everything, for my happiness, Instead of saying to your partner or your family or your friends, you, you know, even maybe just in your mind, you don't make me happy. If you say, how can I make me happy? And they're responsible for their happiness, their own happiness. So imagine a world where everybody's responsible for their own happiness. And I don't mean hurting things, just whatever I say, make sure it's coming from the heart, not the ego, like somebody who thinks it um, makes them happy to blow up people. You know, that's not really coming from the heart, would you say? <laughs> so we well, want like to come... people, people living their passion in their heart don't usually have a tendency to go and hurt people. That's Although we right. could say we don't get attached to a certain thing. Um, when we do, you have that, that balance overall and come from the heart. It's not generally heading in that direction, is it? It's more towards service. It seems to be one of the, those core things. Yeah, absolutely. Because when we love ourselves, and that's really what's so basically important to having an empowered life, and, and so this conversation, it was a great question. What is somebody who's got an empowered life? What's their life like? And it comes from, I love me and I'm going to live life on my terms. And some people may say, well, that's quite selfish. No, I say it's self-love. And the word selfish is bandied around a bit much. It's self-love. And the word selfish also just means to have more of ourself. Mm -hmm. And if we're selfless, does that mean we're actually giving away too much of ourselves and when we've got less of, of us? Yeah, yeah that's, that's a very good point because some people, and I saw it with my mother, you know, she was a very unhappy, self-loathing alcoholic. She had many, many children, nine in fact, and she didn't raise many of any of us for very long we were either taken away or whatever many stories and she she used to give 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 like she hardly had anything but she would give it away and I realized when I was reflecting on her life and how she was tormented in here and living in hell that that was an attempt to help herself feel better about herself so um, and in a poem I wrote about her I learned so many things that it's as important to receive as to give. It's, there's a balance and there's all these spiritual laws or universal laws, call them whatever you want. There's a law of reciprocity. And imagine, you know, we've been told it's better than to give than to receive. Um, I'm not allowed to swear, am I? So I'll say it as nicely as I can. So the saying, it's better to give than receive. Well, that's BS. Because if, if somebody keeps giving to somebody else but doesn't give them the opportunity to give back, that person missed out on the opportunity to give and it's out of balance. So it's equal, an equal balance of giving, receiving, giving, receiving. And so many people have been told by different authorities that just keep giving, just keep giving. And, and to bring this back and tie it in with how may I serve, we are here to serve, but we're also here to be given an equal amount of energy back in whatever form, whether it's money or um, barter or whatever, for our services, or our service. So we give service 
with our gifts and what we do and people reciprocate with their energetic exchange. And so it's this law of give and take, give and take. It's really important to keep that balance and that's showing self-love. You just got me thinking about sort of the whole 24-hour day and to have a good 50-50 balance in that whole day would be a really cool thing. Like in the morning, starting the day well, exercising, having a good breakfast, that's some, some giving to me. So it's some mm-hmm. self-love there. And then I might come to work and then serve people and use my energy and give, not give that energy away, but like use that energy for others. And then at other times have a rest, use that energy back for myself. And it would be really great to, I guess, yeah, make sure there is that maybe not every single day, but to have it as close as possible there. Um, I know you, you, you're down by the ocean there and love to you know, get yeah. some of your energy back from the universe and the beautiful sunrises on uh, yeah. the Gold Coast. There. Yeah. Um, I think you, because you're a heart-centred person, Jeremy, you automatically do it. We don't have to spend a lot of time thinking about it. We just do that. You know, if you're probably in a store and somebody, you, you know, needs a nice um, word or some support with you, you would just probably know it intuitively and do it. So um, we, sometimes we think we have to consciously do things that we, I think we'd be doing it automatically this give and take. I'm pretty sure. Uh, I think so. Yeah. And um, uh, what, what I love is um, my clients, like they, they pay me for the work I do. And really often I get gifts as well. And I think, wow, um, that's amazing. Like that's really beautiful that they they do that extra, and it's like they they're really really super appreciating. Like it's something I might have mentioned or planned, or, or I can't even think of all the gifts I've been given by clients, and uh, it's it's really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. Can't say I've received too many gifts, but I think that the thank you at the end is is the one that I look for the most. It's yeah. that thank you at the end. I'm like, yeah. Job well done. Go home happy. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'm better at receiving than you are, Jeremy. Uh, I can learn much. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, because it is. I was, look, okay, I'll give you an example. So, um, so Jeremy, and and I said it before, but I'll say it again, you look particularly smart today in your your suit and um, you look very, very smick and smart today. Thank you. Okay, good. So, you said thank you. So, a lot of people would be like, oh, that's nothing, you know, it's, you know, like we, we give out compliments and how many times does a person like shrug it off? Yeah, oh, it's nothing. Shrugging off of a compliment or a job well done, these sort of things, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was nothing, mm. you know, I've had this old thing for ages or whatever and they, because I, I, I had to learn this lesson, um, somebody complimented me on a shirt and the colour of it and whatever and I said something like, oh, I've had it for ages, you know, and kind of fobbed off the compliment. And the, the woman, she went, she recalled, she goes, oh, it's like you just throw, threw my compliment back in my face. Ooh. It was a real wake-up call for me because a compliment is like a gift. It is a gift. You know, words, words can be cutting or they can be supportive and, and a compliment is so supportive and encouraging. And, and so when I'm thinking, I really make sure, you know, I see something nice that somebody's wearing or a nice car and the driver gets out and I say, nice car, a nice dress, pretty colour or whatever, I say it. And the smile on people's face when they receive it, if they don't receive it, watch out, I'm going <laughs> to, oh, you didn't receive my gift. <laughs> uh, so that receiving is actually quite a big theme for people to learn how to do it. I remember one speaker I was listening to, she said to, to suck that in when you get oh, yeah. that compliment, if you haven't been good at it for a while, to really take that deep breath in and go, yeah, thank you, I am yeah. that. And I guess a yeah. lot of people are good at owning their, um, the things they feel aren't so great about themselves or, or their dark side, but maybe not mm-hmm. as good at owning just how wonderful and fantastic they are. Um, I know I work with a, a lot of like nurses and teachers and, and busy mums and hard workers um, there is lots of giving with those people and there's not that sense of um, yeah, bringing it back for them as well. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. I went to a ceremony, a graduation ceremony on Sunday night. My daughter had completed a two-day course and it's funny because she works in events and she's in personal development, but this one she attended. And so I went to the graduation and there was 82 attending the course and they had to get up on the stage and uh, say, 
um, what they got out of the weekend and what they're committed to doing now in their life. And then they had to put their arms out like beside them. I don't know if you can see me, but down beside them. And everybody in the audience was um, doing this thing, singing. I know it sounds a bit woo-woo. Um, anyway, but it was all beautiful. And we were sending them love. Instead of clapping, like sending it with our fingertips. And they had to receive it. And it's amazing, probably probably at least 15 out of the 82, and they've been working on receiving, let's say, as, as one of the themes of the workshop. Uh, before, it was like almost as soon as they'd finished their words, they moved away to get off the stage. And then they were top, no, back, back. And just... like you said before and receive open up to receive before they weren't letting it in. they've been wounded and uh, they've hung onto a closed heart and they're not letting loving i've seen it in my family because um unfortunately for boys when their mother is not around and they feel abandoned and oftentimes they won't let another woman in they close off their heart to most people and it's really sad you know we can open our heart and, you know, that's saying it's better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. So they're missing out on the opportunity of loving, whether it's long-term or just short-term, by having mm -hmm. a closed heart. So it's really good to have that open heart. Well, maybe we could give someone a couple of practical steps today around the, that broken heart and, and those feelings of loss. Um, we both attended some of the work with um, Dr. John Martini there and you actually ran me through a process so in 2008, um, I thought I had a son that turned out not to be mine, as you're aware. Um, after mm -hmm. 10 months, found out he wasn't mine. Um, still stayed on in the dad role for another few years, but then um, him and the mum moved a, a thousand kilometres away and didn't see him for about three years. And you ran me through that grief process where it was you know, listing those specific things that I thought, or those specific things I was missing about him. You know, mm -hmm. what, what were those exact things that I was missing, the, the, the loss I think we came up with about 10 or 11 things, including like his smile and his innocence and playing and like just fulfilling like a, a father type role and these sort of things. Um, but then helping me to see that life doesn't really take anything without also giving something back. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought maybe we could have a, a bit of a chat about that and there might be something there here for, for you today and here for me in this, but definitely um, something for the, the listeners as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because for any analytical listeners, why that is so, apart from it's being one of the universal laws as well, there's no, um, there's nothing missing in the universe. But we have part of our brain, it's at the front, the prefrontal cortex, and it's called the RAS or reticular activating system. And it will help us find more of what we're looking for. So, for instance, in your case, when, you know, you had this with your, you thought he was your son, he's not your son, and you from that, that heartbroken, would you say you were heartbroken? Um, I'd say like a deep loss would say heartbroken, but yeah, definitely okay. that, that grief yeah. and loss, yeah. Yeah, okay, so the grief and the loss. Um, from there, you were looking for what was, what was wrong, what was missing, what, what wasn't going to be the same, yeah? yeah certainly not deliberately, but there was that just that feeling of loss that's there and there wasn't the, the framework to go, well, how do I actually stop that or how do I actually see the truth that other people had come into my life? Yeah. And I remember, when, I remember when we did the exercise, I'd had a new friend who'd moved in within one week of him moving away, who mm -hmm. was playful, fun, and that was kind of that, that friendly, yeah, fun person to spend time with. And I was also yeah. doing some bus driving at the time. So there was all kids on the bus that were playing and laughing and these things mm -hmm. and then family and through work. And when we really went through it all, um, everything I was missing about him was yeah, being fulfilled by others as well. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that made a big difference. Well, I know that made a big difference because I thought, well, cool. It, it wasn't all bad. There was, there was things that had come into my life since then as well. Absolutely. And so back to the RAS, reticular activating system. So part of the exercise I d did with you back then was to help you look for what was there. And once you started looking for what was there instead of what was missing, because whatever we focus on with the RAS, we'll find. So if people want to find like, oh, there's so many bad people in the world, you know, they're watching the news and they're watching the dramas and whatever. And then they'll, that's what they're looking for. They'll see more of it. 
Now, so remember, I'm focused on peace, love and laughter. I see that. That's what my world's about. That's what I'm looking for. That's what I find. So back to anybody who's got the loss or the grieving or whatever, they've been looking for what's missing apart from the person physically, but somebody or something, it could be an animal, a pet, um, children, could be you're more in nature, whatever, replaces what you perceived was missing. So nothing, nothing's ever missing. It's only you'll find what you're looking for. It's all there. It doesn't go anywhere. It just gets, um, it, it takes a different form. It shows up in a different body or a different way, but it's always there, everything. Everything is always in the universe and it's right there for us. If we focus on it, we'll find it. And the last four years since that day, I've tracked whenever a main one or two people have moved or transitioned out of my life who's come in. And there was when that friend moved out, um, started spending time with another friend within one day and he'd even say the same things as this other person used to say. <laughs> and then when he was unavailable, I'd met a new girlfriend. The day we stopped seeing each other, that friend was available again to spend time and it went on to about four or five other people over this, this four-year period and the energy just kept transferring or what I was looking for from relationships was just transferring to and from other people. Yeah. Um, I'd say I've lost five great friends in the last four years but doesn't matter because they're moving on to something that serves their life more and mm-hmm. the people in my life now are more serving my highest values and serving what's most important to me. So the people mm-hmm. I meet now generally are more health focused and love doing adventures and mountain climbing and are riding there with coaching and serving the world and these sort of things are things that are most important. Yeah. So also to have a look if someone has left your life to think, okay, has the person that left, was that something or a relationship that wasn't serving as much anymore? Or to look at yeah. how it wasn't serving, but then look at the new people that have come into your life since then. Could be family, a friend, uh, more time with a cousin or an aunt, could even be your pet. How is that person or that thing or that um, that um, pet actually serving life more um, by, by having the new form as well? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely true. Yeah, well done. Because um, you continued looking for what was there. And, and that's when people want to retrain their brain. It's looking for a pattern that's working for them instead and of the old. It absolutely program. is work as well. That's probably an important thing to do. If you if, if, and we, or if, if, if you don't do the work, it, that doesn't happen. It's a mental process to train the brain to see these things. And I love the way you mentioned with this, your RAS, your reticular activating system, you're looking for love, laughter and joy daily, I'll, I'll, I'll bet. Yeah. Like you actively are seeking that. Yeah. Yeah. It's well, I like, actually. Oh, I did it once and didn't work. It's a daily ritual, isn't it? Yeah, well, I, 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 yes, exactly. I actually have claimed that that's what I am. I am peace, love and laughter. And so from that, I don't need it out there, like back to what we were talking about uh, at the beginning. Yes. I don't need it out there to make me feel that. I, I have the resources in me to feel that. Uh, if I didn't, I mean, I, I use my eyes because I'm very visual and obviously, as you said, I live near the ocean. Well, I t- make the most of that. How can you not feel peaceful when you're at the beach? But let's say, um, you know, God forbid that I was blind. I would find another way. You know, they say when you lose one sense, your other ones uh, take up, you know, they, they strengthen. So I would probably listen to beautiful music and, and I'd have velvet and silk and satin and I'd, you know, get more tactile and I'd focus on the times when I could see and I was at the beach and watching sunsets, of course, you know, my favourite sunsets. And our imagination is powerful so our imagination is so powerful that when we imagine something and we give emotion to it then we're in that moment as if it's really happening so if i was just Mm -hmm. pretending i'm watching a sunset i'm seeing the color the reds and the oranges and the purples as it transitions and i'm feeling the breeze and i can hear the the trees and then i get that feeling of that peacefulness you're there i'm there I don't have to take my body to the ocean. And when I think of Nelson Mandela, I just admire that man so much. I went to the island where he was on, um, uh, was it Rhode Island? Where he was incarcerated for 27 years. And the cell he was in was tiny, absolutely tiny. And yes, he got to go out during the day and bash rocks during the day and be back in this concrete cell at night with just the bed wasn't even a, a what he got to sleep on was like a very narrow just about as narrow as the body 
uh, and it had a strap on either end. And it was like a hammock, but it was made of hessian. And he got, it had to be rolled up during the day and then it was strung out at night. Imagine sleeping on that. And that was his bed for 27 years. Now, I'm sure Nelson Mandela went lots of places in his imagination for him to be able to come out of there with that forgiveness and that peacefulness and that determination. An extraordinary man who used his mind in extraordinary situa situation. I wonder, and you, you might even know the answer to this, but did he see that as a prison or did he see that as a training camp where he was training himself to forgive and training his mind to, to be of love? Well, he, that's how he thought in, in that moment. There, there's um, many books and um, uh, Invictus is a book of his life. Uh, it doesn't so much go into that. But I, I think, just feeling into it, that he wouldn't have labelled it anything. He would have just gone through doing what he was passionate about to free and, and to get that equality in South Africa. And so probably no labels. Have, however, having looked back on how he used it, absolutely as a training ground for uh, making that change in the world. And part of the reason he was so powerful in making that change is because how he came out of there with total forgiveness towards everybody and any, anybody who had anything to do with him being incarcerated. And, and it was, that's the biggest thing I got from him is forgiveness. Other people get different traits from him, but he's been um, a symbol of forgiveness for me and I think it's because of him that I learned how to forgive. So yeah, relatively young, in my 20s, I was, I was a victim. I, I was in victim mentality when I say that, when I say I was a victim only because I had that mentality that my, my, childhood, my childhood had been hell because my parents, both being alcoholics, you know, and well, it was me. And if it wasn't for them, I, I would be something other than I was and I wouldn't be so miserable and depressed and blah, blah, blah. You know, it even makes me nearly regurgitate to say it now. And the forgiveness was the biggest thing I did personally and probably my biggest accomplishment in life because I was hanging on to a lot and my stepmother and the burns on my body from her and, you know, letting go of all of that through forgiveness. And the interesting thing about forgiveness is that people do it for them. We do it for ourselves. We don't need to tell anybody, I forgive you. They, my father would have said, what the, with a few swear words, oh, I mean, what did I do? <laughs> but whatever we're hanging on to, we need to just let it go in our heart because people who are hanging on to a lack of forgiveness if they really feel into what it's like in their heart, it's almost like having chains and when I chains around it, binding it and constricting it. And it's really, really leading to all kinds of physical ailments as Louise Hay says, and you can heal your life. The, the, there's many things that happen as a cause of hanging on to that guilt or resent, not guilt, well, can be guilt, but resentment, anger, hurt, um, you know, frustration, those what we call negative emotions what they cause to our physical health and so when we let go of all that it's so liberating we just let the people off the hook for what we perceive they did to us and if you really want to go as far as I have in my life particularly now so there's a lesson to learn from everything absolutely everything has a lesson there so it's imperative people learn the lesson and when you go as far as to get the blessing after the lessons, lessons first, then the blessing. What is so awesome about it? And I'll give an extreme. What, 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 after you. I'll give you an extreme example because some people may be watching and thinking, "Oh well, I've ended up in a wheelchair." So you're going to say there's a blessing in there? Again, if you're looking for it, you'll find it. So I went looking for the blessings in one of the one of the most traumatic things that happened to me one of them, was when I was 10 years old, my stepmother uh, gave me third-degree burns. So, um, and I, I perceived it was out of anger. She was angry and knowing what I know now, when a person's angry, they don't think straight. They react. They don't respond. The difference is when you're reacting, it's a instantaneous jerk knee result. And, and oftentimes people live with regrets because of reacting. Whereas responding, people take a moment and they're responding. There's a difference. 
and they're, they're taking conscious action, not unconscious reaction. Okay, so the, the gift in that, the blessing, the blessing. So my father was such an angry, abusive alcoholic that I'm pretty sure if it wasn't for that occasion with my, my scars on my body from those burns, that I may have been, and I'm pretty sure I would have been a very angry parent who did or said things that I would regret towards my daughters. And so what a blessing that I got saved from doing that. It kind of broke the chain of that anger and frustration. It was in me. When I was six years old, I smashed a window out of anger. I had it in me. I was an angry little mite. And so I'm, I'm really, really grateful for the blessing of the burns. Beautiful that you can, I guess, bring that to the, the now and to the present to say, and look at the relationship you have with your daughters now and, and the people in your life. Yeah. Yeah. It is fantastic. And so I would urge anybody who's hanging on to negative emotions that they find a way to let them go because it's causing all kinds of distress in your body. And, of course, we know that stress in any form is not good for us. And that's kind of, I, I started like you did, or I think it was one of the first things you did, um, specialising in helping smokers quit cigarettes in 60 minutes. And it's been awesome. You know, what a gift. And, and what's quite ironic is both my parents died from, wasn't alcohol, could have been, but was from smoking. And so I've helped so many clients, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, quit smoking. But one of the common traits that they had was the stress, the stress element in their lives. And yeah. so... Yeah, exactly. And that was they one of the things. They always seem so much more stressed than non-smokers, don't they? It's like, I'm using it to relieve stress, but it becomes the only way they try <laughs> to relieve stress and not having any healthy ways to do it. And then it ends up perpetuating the system. Absolutely. And, and their bodies are more stressed because of the stress on their heart. Their heart's beating faster, 10 to 12 minute, bits per minute. Their adrenals, their pituitary, everything's working harder. And so it was really important to help them with a strategy for how to minimize and manage stress and that's led to uh, workshops and presentations around minimizing and managing stress and my website is how to regain your inner peace because i want everybody to have what i've got if they want it how to regain your inner peace by minimizing and managing stress and so that's a free ebook at my website because i'm really passionate about people designing the life that they desire and deserve i think to help people to see what's possible with human potential too like mm -hmm. one of the benefits of being really, really selfish and living your absolute best life and feeling great about it and telling the world about it is it actually lets people know, oh, I can strive for that. I believe I can only aim as high as the highest thing I've thought or the highest person I've seen achieve that. In mm -hmm. relationships and friendships now, I think about the top two couples I know who are, have got beautiful relationships and full of affection, full of love, letting go of all the, all the past clutter and these sort of things. The only reason I've got to where I am is through mentors and through teachers and, and through going through all these courses and, and trainings myself. Mm. Um, I, often some people ask me, oh, you, you're always calm. And I say, well, it wasn't always like that. Mm. I've punched a few walls. I've you know, hurt people. Um, I used to you know, drink and do plenty of drugs and all these sort of things. Um, but pretty much anything that the human, in fact, in fact, I believe anything the human mind can experience, it can also experience the healing from as well. Mm -hmm. It yeah. definitely doesn't have to be that way. And there's, there's always a way back. But mm. maybe if, if we haven't gone and found out what that is, we wouldn't believe that yet. So um, yeah, mm. finding those people who, who can provide that and definitely not giving up either. Mm. Absolutely. So that's, um, you know, sort of leading into what I found is, you know, in NLP, the founders of it, <clears throat> John Quinter and Richard Bandler, they did what was called reverse engineering, studying excellence and then like um, breaking it down. How did the person or people or whatever achieve what they achieved? And so what I've done with, I've studied, you know, like in depth and asked myself, what's the beginning of change? And I've come up with a, what I call a triangle of change. And the triangle of change is, it starts with toleration threshold. And what that means is people, each individual, have a different toleration threshold. They need to get to that level before they'll change. And for everybody, it's different. 
some some people will end up in an oncology ward before they'll take look a, a look at their life and their health and what needs to be addressed and healed and what better foods to eat and how to move their body more. And other people, they might get um, just a, a sniffly nose and that's their toleration threshold. And this is probably somebody who's, you know, very empowered already. So they get a um, sniffly well, nose. I'm wondering too, Linda, that say if someone has reached that threshold, but they're still like, well, I still can't, put down that cigarette I still can't eating that 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 unhealthy food and all that food that you know, mm. leads to leads to poor health how do you I guess help someone when they're still like well the pain's enough but I st- well feels like it's enough but they still can't stop doing the, the damaging thing so I are you just um I, I heard a little bit you said those people who've reached the and then it blacked oh, out right it must have dropped out for a second um yeah so, so when someone says they have reached mm. that pain threshold and they really, really want to get rid of something, but they still can't seem to do it. They're still having that cigarette or they're still having that damaging food. Um, how do you help someone who has that, um, had that problem? Well, firstly, I'd question whether they've really reached it because the people that you and I see as clients, I would say they've reached the toleration threshold. Um, however, if they haven't, and that's what I'm putting together in this program, is different ways, um, and values linking is one of them, De Martini's work, linking what there are, like what they already automatically naturally value, whether it's family or um, their work, you know, and how this change that they're saying they want but they can't bring about, linking that through values to the things they really automatically value, does that make sense, Jeremy? Oh, yeah. So not, not linking it to what they feel like it should be. Like some no. of the people we, we've seen for quit smoking and weight loss, it's, oh, yeah, for my health. And we ask, what does that mean? Oh, just health. So what yeah. does that actually mean? Does it mean actually waking up and feeling great? Or does it mean actually being able to breathe again? Mm-hmm. Or being able to run around after the grandkids and being able to give the grandkids a hug without that smoky exactly. smell? And like yeah. what that actually is, not just that. Oh yeah, a bit of money, a bit of health. That's fine. I'm a bit yeah. uncomfortable, but it's not that bad, is it? Until yeah. until it reaches that point. So let's say when you were talking about running around with the grandkids and having more energy, if they're giving emotional energy to that those things instead of oh yeah, my health, but they 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 really value the grandkids. And in the, I know you were just um, playing, but you added energy emotional energy to the grandkids wanting to be able to run. So if they're feeling they're missing out on something, that's that's a, a little, you know, toleration point that they're kind of probably really sick of tolerating. So what we can also do is take them down the road of another 10 years of doing exactly what they're doing. No changes, because if you don't change anything, you're going to get more of the same. So another 10 years or whatever they can imagine, five, seven, 10 years down the track and um, see your grandkids. Yeah, what are you doing with them now? Are they pushing you around in a wheelchair? What's happening? What do you see in your future if you keep doing? So really what you're getting doing to now? tap into what's that vision in ten years time? What does that actually look like? Absolutely, um, to see that. Yeah. yeah, and not that I want people to go into pain, but if they're on the verge of the toleration threshold, you might have to take them there. It's a bit, a little bit like aversion therapy, taking them where they don't want to go. But they're going to go there if they don't get to their tipping point and. That's it. And the toleration threshold is another way of just saying, I'm fed up, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm sick of it, yeah. Yeah. And then then they're ready for the change. And then you and I or people like us are there to help them because that's what we specialise in, helping them when I don't want to work with any clients anymore who aren't really ready to change. The only hard clients I've ever had or when I felt like I was banging my head against a wall after a session and and I've had some um, very interesting um, challenges that people have had over the years from post-traumatic stress, rape, kidnap, you name it. Um, the only hard, like when I say hard, the only hard, difficult, challenging sessions were the people who, oh, I'll, I'll kind of come in and say, you know, somebody paid for the session or whatever. You know, they weren't really committed to the change. And so in the triangle of change, the next step is once you've reached their toleration threshold, and there are other ways to get them there if they're on the tipping, like near the tipping point, uh, and that will be in, in my program. So Empowered Body, it will be called, and uh, it is called, is um, after they reach the toleration threshold, they need to choose differently. That's the second thing. So they're choosing, we're all choosing every day. I right? keep choosing peace, love and laughter, and it shows up. 
And so get them to choose differently. And so it's a triangle that keeps going. So they make a different choice. And it might be, might be to get some help to, you know, overcome the challenge that they've got. It might be to walk around the block. It might be to phone that person that they've meaning, been meaning to phone and just have a conversation and see if they can clear up whatever they've been tolerating or, you know, whatever. Take, make a different choice. And then the third step in the triangle is a commitment. Commitment and follow through. So let's mm-hmm. go on to, let's go on to um, healthy eating. So they've reached their toleration threshold, enough of the crap. Although I would say don't cut all, all the crap out at once. You've been eating it for years. Just cut back. And also I would tell people never tell yourself you can't have anything. Your unconscious don't make mind. it an all or nothing approach that we see yeah. so often. Like yeah. I have one little square of chocolate after two months of no sugar. Oh, well, that's it. I'm going to have the whole block and then a bucket of ice cream and it's all over. Like to yeah. actually be flexible and, and to be soft with ourselves as well too, yeah. I think. Just to yeah, allow ourselves to have that little thing if we feel like it and not absolutely. get into the guilt story. It was bad, but say we probably were just looking for something at, at mm-hmm. that time and, and yeah. not to be that, that all or nothing thing. Yeah, absolutely. And as we know, the, the, our unconscious mind is doing the best it can with how we've programmed it. So be gentle with it. It's, it's like a nine-year-old child. You know, you're not going to tell it it's been naughty and you can't have that and you can't do that. A nine-year-old child wouldn't like that. So you just say, actually, I, I love playing with the unconscious mind because it really likes um, being given freedom. So you say to it, like, let's say the person is tempted by whatever, a big bowl of French fries or whatever they're, they're, or chocolate or whatever they would call they're not allowed. And so they're feeling tempted. And if they, if they say in their mind, I can't have that, no, I can't have it, they're better off to say, you know what, I can have that. And I've done this with smokers when they're, before we do the hypnosis and they're in a session, oh, what if I want a cigarette? You can have one. You can smoke for the rest of your life. In fact, I'll, I'll give you a refund. You can go. Oh, but I want to quit. Okay, then let's go on. Yeah, and so yeah. it's playing, yeah, it's playing with it's the unconscious mind. It's a great trick, mind. isn't it? I've yes. heard people mention that before. They've kept a packet for like a year and never had one, mm-hmm. but just had it on the counter. I can yeah. have that. I'm sure yeah. I don't want to. Or sure yeah. I haven't don't want to. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So allowing themselves, you know what, I can keep doing this whatever behaviour or action or whatever and feeling whatever I'm feeling forever if I want to. I can keep doing that. But you know what, I don't want to. Huh. Then you're giving yourself some freedom. And remember, one of my lovely traits that I like is joy, abundance, and freedom. And that's true freedom. When you've got freedom to feel and do what you want to do, and I'm not talking about breaking the law, but for you, what's right for you. It links in beautifully to, to my bigger scheme of like why I'm even um, helping people with maintaining, uh, achieving and maintaining an ideal weight is that if people want to be lighter, have a different body, only for the ones who want to, the ones who are overweight and happy being overweight, that's fine. Like the smokers, if they're happy smoking, go ahead. You know, it's your life. But the people who want to change, if they're not getting the change they want in in whatever form that is, then they're at war in their own mind. You know, they, we talk about the terrorists out in the world. The biggest terrorist is in the mind, the mind at war with itself. And those minds, those are the minds that create wars out there with their neighbour and the, the angry drivers and the unhappy people because they're at war with themselves. When you're at peace mm-hmm. in your heart and your mind, you're not going to go out there and create havoc. And so that, that's... That, like, that, that's a lot of what I see as well. There's, a, that, there's that inner conflict. There's... I want to do one thing, but the other part of the mind still wants another thing. And mm-hmm. I love that metaphor around it being like a nine-year-old child. And imagine us being angry at a computer but not having the programming that we didn't even put in there. Mm-hmm. So we have exactly. a computer that only does one thing, so it's a calculator. Why doesn't this calculator make a phone call? Because we haven't <laughs> put the programming in. Yeah. And really I think that's what, what our work, well, I know with my work and it sounds like with your work as well is, helping to have that good programming there so we have those other options and have that freedom to do what we want without that Excellent. encumbrances of going to the old programming that comes from, yeah, parents, media and, and so on. Yeah, and, and um, the government and school and religion. There's and so on. It goes, <laughs> yes, it goes on and on and on. And, we really and, just unhypnotise people because there's, you know, there might be you know, 100,000 
well, let's use another, just a, a thousand bits of corrupt programming in there and we just want to get some good stuff in there, start to use that more and that tends to take over and build up. And the other stuff still stays there. We don't necessarily get rid of anything, but just to have used the other ones more often, your, your gratitude, forgiveness, looking for joy and these sort of things. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm-hmm. And the more we use a muscle, like those joy neuropathways, then the stronger they get. Like, like exercising at the gym, when we use those muscles in the, the mind for joy, bliss, happiness, love, whatever's important to the individual, you don't have to have mine, but I, I would like to live in a peaceful world. But the, the more you focus on peace, the stronger the neural pathways get. And then it's easier, they say, um, uh, pathways that fire together, wire together. And so it's just much easier to get into that state of joy, no matter what. Oh gosh, what, what a reminder for me as well, just to deliberately use those every single day, yeah, to, to keep those going. Um, it looks like we've um, got just a, a few minutes left, so I'd love mm-hmm. for you to give yourself a little bit of a plug. Um, how can anyone get in contact with you if they want to know a bit, a bit more information about, um, about what you do? Okay, so my website is www.lindapetterwood.com. There's free resources there. There's a, as in the free ebook I spoke about earlier, Regain Your Inner Peace by Minimizing That's something you, you'll have there um, to, it's, that's, to download. Yep. That's already there. Yep, that's yep, already yep. there. And they can book in for a complimentary 15-minute discovery session. So um, what, what we'll discover in there is where they're at, that they want to change, and what they want instead and what's stopping them having it. And uh, there'll be an opportunity to work further, but it's no obligation. And it'll be, people always get something out of those discovery calls and that's wonderful, that's there. Um, I, I write, I'm a columnist and an author, so there's some interesting articles there. And start looking out for my new book that I'm writing. Oh, wait, Heaven on Earth, remember? how to go home because I believe heaven is here now and as Eckhart Tolle says it's a level of consciousness it's not a place we go it's a level of consciousness and I I um, love going there regularly during the day and it's fantastic and I want to teach other people how I did it how I overcame the obstacles of my childhood and how they can live heaven on earth if they desire and um, so Look out for presentations. If you need um, a presenter uh, or a workshop facilitator um, on self-esteem, confidence, uh, how to adapt to change in a changing world and how to minimise and manage stress, uh, there's tabs at my website. So look around my website. There's some interesting reading there. Uh, I'm quite funny too in some of my writings, I think. So And and just uh, be the peacemaker in your own life so we can have a more peaceful life if I can just give that as a parting um, you know, little tidbit, don't call it advice. Um, it works in my life. I just um, focus on being peaceful and it's fantastic. That sounds like a, a great note to end our conversation today on heaven on earth. Have, yes. have that here now, yeah. Thank you so much, Jeremy. I appreciate uh, having Thanks for the coming chat. On today. It was um, awesome to catch up with you and we'll have to chat again soon. Yeah.